Hello, you're listening to episode one of 8-Minute Movies, Alienated, a podcast talking about the 1979 movie Alien in 8-Minute Chunks, presented by me, Kieran, and him, Peter. How are you doing, Peter? Hi, I am doing okay. I'm enjoying our fancy new audio setup, that's for sure. I know. Oh, it's it, um, I, I, I keep being tempted to do sexy ASMR because I've got a microphone right up next to my head. Let's see if we slip into, into ASMR as the show goes on. Yes, the closer you get, the sexier it gets. I'm so present right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, uh, how are you? <laughs> I just think, ironically, the the processing we do is probably just going to knock that out, right? <laughs> oh, probably, yeah. It's going to just sound like garbage either way by the time it gets to your ears. going to be no different. Well, um, you know, these these are what, like 32 kilobit MP3s? They're going <laughs> to sound like garbage either way. It doesn't, doesn't really matter. I'm doing fine here in the distant future year of 2021 viruses are still a thing i believe but less so or more so depending on where you are but but hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel now with um, you know jabbings and whatnot yep yeah did you like the did you like the little intro i did there the yeah, was, uh, the... yeah i did it's a, it's a good intro um i suppose you need to tell us a bit more about mm. what, what we're doing this time now <laughs> Oh yeah, you see, well, I, I brought up the intro because uh, I did some research after we released the last season of this podcast. And if you haven't listened to the last season, go and listen to it. Uh, and it turns out that people like coherent introductions to things, mm. uh, which sound less like two people gibbering. Something that just makes a little more sense, you know? <laughs> right, okay. So we're, we're, we're going out of our comfort zone for the intro. Then. Yeah, out of, out of our comfort zone into... Other Co- people's comfort Co- zones. Co- coherence and professionalism are not our watchwords, but no. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps they can be for the intro. Yeah, no. So we've already just spoken about last season. So the concept behind this podcast is a, a dumb idea I had, whereby I thought that if you take a film that are usually an hour and a bit long or whatever, and you break it up into little chunks, you can talk about those chunks ad nauseum. Mm. Um, and I, I got you my most trusted confidant, and uh, I was going to use the word victim, um, mm. and I don't think that's inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it turns out nauseum was reached several podcasts ago, and <laughs> we're just having to endure now. Um, <laughs> Keep on keeping on, as they say. Yeah. Um, so, what I've done is break the movie up into eight minute chunks. Why eight? Because eight is a number that sounded nice when I said it out loud. And we're going to watch these movies together in little chunks and discuss them. Last season, we did John Carpenter's The Thing, which is definitely my favorite movie. I'm absolutely insufferable because I know all of the backstory and I just continuously accumulate facts about it and I keep bringing them up all the time so it was sort of like an exorcism for me a way of getting all of that stuff out into a recording so then I'd never have to worry about doing it ever again in the future and this season well I I was going to dramatically reveal it but I said it in the introduction we're doing Alien yes we are doing Alien now last time uh, for me I I was someone who's not particularly into the thing I didn't particularly dislike it or 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 like it in this case we're we're in a kind of similar situation although i would say that alien is a film i've maybe seen a couple more times than i've seen the thing and it's a bit closer to my genre of films even though they're kind of similar genres of films this this thematically is a bit closer to a film i would choose to watch if not dragged into it via podcast body horror and suspense Mm. but more on the side of suspense i would say this time yeah yeah Uh, we'll we'll get to that i'm sure um but this movie sure is 45 minutes of um ball tightening suspense before it all suddenly gets released Mm. So you mentioned that you've seen Alien a number of times. Uh, how much would you say you remember about the film? Um, I think I remember it fairly well. I would say I, w- I don't necessarily remember well the order 
that things happen in. So if you want me to figure out the order in which people get killed by the alien or in some other way, I will not be able to figure that out, I don't think. Like, well, I, I know number one, because that's <laughs> memorable. It's quite famous, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, I definitely remember what happens to a couple of the characters, mm. uh, but uh, but and I know who survives. I know that <laughs> uh, there are so many sequels, <laughs> but I the details of what happens moment to moment are probably a bit fuzzy. All right, all right. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit, I guess. So, uh, just so that you know, we picked Alien because it's my second favorite film. Um, for seasons going on from here, I, I don't think we'll do this because um, I don't want to have to rank every film that I like in descending order and slowly work my way through them. Is that yeah. that means we'll never get to Prometheus? Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how many we'll have to get through until we get into films that you actively dislike. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I like quite a lot of films. Um, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the uh, the idea of doing a season of this for a film that I just fucking despise. <laughs> <laughs> we might have talked about it before, but um, the reason that we're not doing one of my favourite films this time is uh, is partially just because it was difficult to find one that you were kind of less familiar with than me mm. that I also really liked. Long-time listeners will uh, remember that you were raised in a cave by bats, I believe, and uh, only saw films uh, in your early 50s. <laughs> it's not true. I've seen <laughs> films. It's just that I didn't have parents who uh, uh, who just let me watch anything. They, they kept an eye on what I watched. <laughs> oh, uh, negging my parents there. That's fine. That's... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, I guess it's traditional at the start of this podcast. I'm going to say traditional a lot in the second season of a podcast because, they're, you know, they're recent traditions. Um, it doesn't matter that, that we've only been doing this for three or four months. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, is it is the grand tradition of our peoples at the start of a new season to mm -hmm. just talk a little bit about the movie. So, um, so I'm going to start with uh, Google's plot synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the crew of the... Oh, hang on. No, I'm going to do it in the ASMR voice. Hang on. The crew of the spacecraft Nostromo intercept a distress signal from a planet and set out to investigate it. However, to their horror, they are attacked by an alien, which later invades their ship. How was that? <laughs> very nice. Very nice. <laughs> I got chills. Uh, <laughs> it's quite a good synopsis. I think it's succinct. doesn't give anything away. Mm -hmm. Um got the word alien in it which you really <laughs> you really yeah. sort of need yeah i think if you get to that point in the film and you are suddenly like wait a minute there's aliens i think you've <laughs> missed something <laughs> <laughs> it said alien on the poster <laughs> yeah it, it as i recall it takes some time during the first minute or two of the uh, film to establish the title <laughs> don't don't jump the gun we'll get to that um so here's the section where i was too lazy to write anything about it myself so i just read you what is effectively wikipedia um mm. and this is a theme that will continue throughout this podcast <laughs> <laughs> alien is a science fiction horror film directed by ridley scott and written by dan o'bannon it's based on a story by O'Bannon and Ronald Chusett, and it follows the crew of the commercial space tug Nostromo, who encounter an aggressive and deadly extraterrestrial, which is then set loose on the ship. It was produced by Gordon Carroll, David Geiler, and Walter Hill. The alien was designed by the Swiss artist H.R. Giger, and concept artists Ron Cobb and Chris Foss designed the human environments. The soundtrack was composed by Jerry Goldsmith. It premiered May 25th, 1979 at the 4th Seattle International Film Festival, presented in 70mm, and was fully released on June the 22nd and September the 6th in the United Kingdom. Peter, how do you think it fared theatrically? Um, I mean, maybe it's because it's uh, become so successful later, but I got the feeling that it was always 
reasonably successful. Yes, well done. It was met with critical acclaim and box office success, winning an Oscar for Best Visual Effects, along with three Saturn Awards and a Hugo. All right. The film had a budget of $11 million and made $106.3 million at the box office. It was the sixth highest grossing film at the US box office that year. Uh, fun fact, if you take into account inflation, $11 million in 1979 is approximately $15 million in 1982, so it was made for roughly the same budget as The Thing. All right. Uh, it's been consistently praised in the years since its release and is considered one of the greatest films of all time. In 2002, Alien was deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry. In 2008, it was ranked by the American Film Institute as the seventh best film in the science fiction genre. So it's had quite a lot of praise heaped upon it. Uh, yeah, like like the Wikipedia article is verging on a hagiography at this point. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not the thing which has become appreciated, but has still, I would say, something of a cult following. No, Alien has always been popular. Mm. For me personally, uh, again, just like the thing, I saw it when I was too young. Um, I actually remember seeing it for the first time, and it was on ITV. Uh, and they took a break in the middle of the film to show you the news. Uh, <laughs> can you can you imagine doing something like that now? <laughs> uh, um, the atmosphere is perfect, and the alien, for like want of a better word, is so alien. I mean, like you, they've become a little bit trite now with repetition because, like you know, you've seen them in everything and on everything. Yeah. Uh, but seeing them for the first time as half glimpsed, horrible, chitinous things like glistening eyeless beetles is horrible um yeah, they're in Fortnite now that's weird is that, that true yeah that's yeah that's true that's that's a thing now wow yeah they just uh, ripley um rocks up and shoots some aliens in the latest Fortnite thing oh dude you have to show me that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow um oh. I I sort of feel dirty. Should we stop this podcast? No, it's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Fortnite is fine. It's just that because I'm older than 14, I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny, I've got a lot of memories related to Alien. Uh, I remember one night my parents had gone out and left me alone for a couple of hours. And I was watching TV in the living room and something moved in the corridor outside. Um, we had several pets. It was an animal of some sort doing some animal business. Hmm. But uh, for some reason, the way it moved and because it was dark outside, it left me absolutely convinced it was an alien, like deeply and totally. And so I ended up hiding behind an armchair for about half an hour before I worked up the nerve to go and look and see what it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> me at the humble age of 24. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I was younger than that. I, I just want I just want that to be clear. I want that on the record. Um, <laughs> uh, Twenty two. Um, <laughs> well, one of the things I remember most fondly, actually, as a child, is my dad taking me into London every Saturday to go to Forbidden Planet so I could buy the new Alien comics. <laughs> <laughs> I really do have quite the collection of them. Nice. Um, when did you first see the movie, Peter? And how did it make you feel? Hmm. Um, I am not entirely sure when I first saw it, but it probably would have been at some point in my twenties. Might have even been at your house again. <laughs> it it's possible. Um, I feel like the first Alien film that I actually saw a significant chunk of was one of the later films, which I and I can't remember which one it is. Mm. Um, but I, eventually I saw this, and I think possibly around uh, your house. And again, I I enjoyed it, but I didn't feel strongly about it, j purely because the kind of suspense horror thing just has never been my go-to genre. So I... I, I liked it. I think I probably would have liked it more if I'd seen it earlier and it had been more of a kind of formative experience for me. But it was just a, 
the way I experienced is it was just an enjoyable film. Yeah, what we're learning here is increasingly that um, horror movies kink your brain when you're young, and um, definitely, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, and you end up um, sort of with either a lifelong repulsion or attraction to them, depending (laughs) on what state they leave you in, I guess. Yeah, that's why I'm automatically interested in anything with time travel in it. That floats my boat because <laughs> <laughs> it was Back to the Future that I was obsessed with. Uh, this podcast is about movies, but also about nostalgia in a weird way. <laughs> All right, I guess that's enough reminiscing about Alien uh, and how it made us feel as children or tweens. Um, <laughs> so last season we had these thing dingers which are bells that either of us can ring when the other person says the word thing or things and isn't specifically referring to the creature, the film, or the game itself. Now, we're at a bit of an impasse this season because obviously there's no point doing this for the word alien because the word alien comes doesn't come up as often in human conversation as the word thing. So what do you want to do about this, Peter? Should we keep this for the word thing or some other option we haven't explored yet? It's going to um, get weird if we do it for Alien because the only... I, I, Alien does have context outside the name of the film and the creature itself, but I don't think they're going to come up during the podcast. Well, yeah, I agree. And I think either we could um, just keep it with the word thing just for posterity um we and... firm, we firmly established that we're into tradition yeah we are <laughs> or, or we could use just another word we could just pick another word <laughs> arbitrarily uh, which is which has the same sort of quality uh I, I thought maybe stuff although i don't think that would come up as often um, I tell you what, if we watch the movie The Stuff, we will definitely, definitely do that. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, I don't know what that is. Um, it's another body horror film. It's fairly similar to The Thing, actually. Um, mm. uh, basically, people eat ice cream, which is made of aliens that kills them. Mm. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah, okay, so I think what we'll do then to resolve this conundrum is that for today, we will keep it with the word the thing, um, or, you know, just thing. And the listeners can write in to us if they want us to do a different word. Yeah, they can do that now because we're not pre recording the entire season in advance. Mm. If you do want to contact us, you can email podcast at eightminutemovies.co.uk or talk to us on any of the dozens of internet things that we're on we'll say that again at the end anyway uh so that you don't forget because oh if even one person writes to me my heart will lift like a tiny sparrow on the breeze Mm. anyway uh, (laughs) uh so peter um what we're going to do now is similar to at the start of the thing i am going to show you the cast of alien Yes. And I'm going to show you them one at a time. Mm-hmm. And you are going to tell me who the character is, their actor or actress, and what their role is on the ship. Do you think you can do that? No. Um, <laughs> I, 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 well, I think I can do, what, uh, do the game, but I don't think that I can succeed at it. Well, n- nevertheless, we're doing it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I've, I've got faith in you. I believe in you. I think you can do it. Hmm. All right, so if you could look at the first picture, please. Uh, okay, well, this is a a picture of John Hurt. Yeah, well done, well so, done. You, that, well, that's that's one point so far. Uh, and he plays a character whose um, name I I don't know. I don't know what the name of the character is. Let's say it's um let's go for last names. Uh his name is Adams. That's what <laughs> I'm going with. Uh all right. Uh, and what what does Adams do on the ship? Um I think 
I mean, it's just like a cargo hauling thing, isn't it? That's yeah. It's a it's a it's a cargo tug. Yeah. Um. So what would he do? He is um. In accounts, no. Um, he's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because he goes. I know that he goes on an away mission, so he must have some practical use. Maybe he's some sort of excavation expert. I don't know. That's what I'm going with. Well, it's interesting you mention last names, actually, because uh, in the script, the cast only get last names. Um, they don't okay. have four names. So I, I've got them listed here, but they're from additional sources. Uh, they mostly come from aliens, actually. There's a scene where they're sort of scrolling by in the background and people because obviously they have laboriously picked through those things and gotten their names. And uh, there have been other things published since with the names in, but these questionable canon because they weren't in the original film. All right. Uh, so you said this was Adams. He is a Thomas Kane, the ship's executive officer, played by John Hurt. So you're you're got one out of three so far. Okay. Uh, he's the ship's second in command. Um, actor John Finch was originally cast as Kane, but had to drop out when he suffered a serious bronchial attack during the first scene he filmed. Oh dear. Uh, in early drafts of the film script, Kane was known as Broussard and was the ship's navigator. If you'd care to look at the second picture, please. Okay. So uh, we're go we're going for naught out of three on this one. I think. Um, <laughs> I I do not know the name of the character. So let's call her Jensen. Um, All right. And uh, I don't know who this is that that plays her. Uh, this is uh, Joan Lambert, the ship's navigator, played by Veronica Cartwright. Uh, you didn't let me get to a job. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, what was it? Did you say navigator? Uh, yes. I was going to guess co-pilot. <laughs> um, do you know what? Since I fucked it up, I'm going to give you a point. <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh shit! A navigator um, is like a co-pilot. Uh, yeah, don't at me. Uh, <laughs> the, the third picture, please. Um, this is. Yeah, I don't know the name of the actor, and I don't know the name of the character, so let's go with um, uh, Chomsky. Um, Chomsky? <laughs> <laughs> right? Why not? Well, why not, indeed? Um, uh, and uh, I think this is the, uh, the this is I think this is the captain. Oh, well done, well done. He is he is the ship's captain. Um, this is Arthur Dallas, the ship's captain, played by Tom Skerritt. Uh, he was initially reluctant to take part in Alien, but when he found out Ridley Scott was attached, he changed his mind because he'd seen the recently released film The Duelists and was very impressed by it. Hilariously, uh, in early drafts of the film script, Dallas was known as Chaz Standard. Okay. Chaz, Chaz Standard. Chaz Standard. That's a name. Hmm. <laughs> uh, the, the fourth picture, please. I'd think this is the middle one all right um this one's annoying because i feel like i should know the name of the actor because the name of the actor has been in the news lately yes um this actor died recently Qu yes yeah, sadly he passed Very away quite recently, recently yeah, in the last uh, handful mm. of days and unfortunately all i can remember that is that his name is very distinctive <laughs> um uh, and as for who he plays in Alien, let's call him uh, Jackson. Jackson, okay. What does Jackson uh, do? And he's, I, I think that he's just a general hauling dog's body. <laughs> maybe, maybe like a mechanic, actually. Jackson, Jackson the mechanic. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, this is Dennis Parker, the ship's chief engineer, played by Yafit Koto, who, as we said, sadly passed away quite recently. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm going to give you the point for um, for mechanic because he is the ship's chief engineer. Yeah, mechanic engineer. That that's basically oh, God. right. Yeah. I, 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 feel, I feel bad that we've given them the ability to contact us now. The complaints can start rolling in. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, in in early drafts of the script, this character was known as Jay Faust. J, do, do we know what the, oh, was it J, J-A-Y? J-A-Y, J-A-Y. Right, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. 
so we come to the fifth picture, and if you don't get any of these, I'm going to be very disappointed. Well, um, I don't know. Like, job is difficult because, uh, like, her, her job is basically to be more sensible than everyone else on the ship. <laughs> um, and that, like, her job but, is common sense, mother. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll maybe circle back round to that one, but this, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is. Uh, Ripley, this is Ellen Ripley. In fact, I'll give you first name. Oh well, fancy. I'm, do you know what? I'm going to give you an extra point. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where you where you remembered Ellen from. Was it um, Aliens? Maybe. Uh, no, it's Fortnite. No, it's not really. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I I swear to God, when I can when I can be physically next to you, I will punch you. <laughs> no, I don't remember either. It's just it just something that popped into my head. Uh, and played by Sigourney Weaver. Well done. And uh, come on, what does what she do on the ship? Does she do what does she do? Um, would, would you like a clue? Yes, you've, please. You've already sort of said it jokingly for one of the other characters. Oh, god, have I? Um, <laughs> sort of, you were, you were close, but not spot on. <laughs> Was it excavating expert? I think I just said that <laughs> for someone. Uh, no, I'm afraid I can't give you it. So you you get three out of the potential four, I guess, for that one. Yeah. Uh, this is Ellen Ripley, the ship's warrant officer, played by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a little unclear what a warrant officer does, but um, she's third in command of the ship, and her role is sort of uh, making sure everything keeps ticking along, like. Administering all the various departments, basically. Mm. Other actresses considered for the role of Ripley include Meryl Streep, Catherine Ross, and Genevieve Bujold. Quite famously, all of the roles in Alien were written so they could be played by either male or female characters. Uh, but the role of Ripley, originally called Martin Roby, was always supposed to be a male role. 20th Century Fox president Alan Ladd Jr. suggested making the hero female to help the film stand out from its contemporaries. And it did, and I would argue still does for that reason. It's very interesting that mm. there's a lot of stuff that's been said about how um, Ripley is one of the most memorable and best, one of the best, strongest female characters in film. Mm. And she was originally written as a man, of course. Um, <laughs> it turns out that to write good female characters, you just have to write good characters. And <laughs> yeah. Um... It, I I th I do think that it's an interesting attitude to write writing characters where you're like, okay, we're just gonna we're just gonna write a character, and it's not like if you then change the gender of that character from what you originally uh, expected it to be, that doesn't change the character at all because I f I feel like it, it has to in some yeah, way it, change. It, it must, but yeah. But starting from the attitude that actually it doesn't matter who ends up in these roles as long as they're right for the role mm. um, is, um, I think, is a good approach that definitely works for this film. Oh, yeah. And it's it's certainly made a career for Sigourney Weaver. Mm. All right. It's time to move on to the sixth picture. Um I, I'm gonna call this one uh, General Hauling Dog's Body. Um, I think this is what I, this person's job is. I thought I thought that was what you were suggesting his name was. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, his, his rank is General 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 Jonathan Hauling Dog's Body. That last yeah, name is uh, yeah, old. It sounds um, like something yeah. that should be called out in the New Year's Honours list. Yes. Um, <laughs> Um, it's, uh, no, uh, his name is, um, uh, uh, Tufton. <laughs> Did you call him that because he looks tough? No. <laughs> I just, it's just the first name that came into my head. I'm not going to get the name, uh, and I don't know who played him. Um. I'm going to give you zero for that one because uh, this is Samuel Brett, the ship's engineering technician, played by Harry Dean Stanton. Mm -hmm. He's the lowest ranked member of the crew. 
Stanton's first words to director Ridley Scott during his audition were, I don't like science fiction pictures and I don't like monster pictures. Um, <laughs> so he must have impressed him during the audition. I mean, mm. that is a bold way to go into what is effectively a job interview and say, I don't like this and I don't like that. And I, I don't, don't like you. <laughs> don't like what you're doing here. But pay me to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a power move of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we move on to the last picture. Uh, uh, this one's going to annoy the hell out of me, um, because I know this actor, and I just don't know the name. I just, the name is not coming to me. Um, also, um, died, I think, relatively recently. Is that true? Uh, yeah, he did die quite recently, uh, in 2020. I, I'm not going to get the name. The only thing I can remember about the name is that it's a it's a short name. That's all I've got. What, the actor name or the character name? Oh, the character name I also don't remember. Um, so let's call him... Um, uh, let's call him Dogson, even though that's a character from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a very similar role. Uh- <laughs> mm. <laughs> Are you intentionally making that connection? Um, <laughs> I don't know. What does Dodgson do on the ship? Um, he is the medic. He, he's the kind of doctory uh, guy, and uh, also expert robot espionage infiltrator <laughs> person, kind of. Um, wow, spoilers! Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You can't you can't just give that shit away before we've even gotten to the movie. Nobody is experiencing the film for the first time in this way. Do you and know if what? they are, they shouldn't be. Yeah, we'll get to that, but don't. Do not like like this is a podcast for people who have seen these films. Do not experience them for the first time through. I know a number of people who haven't watched the thing, but just listen to all of the podcast. <laughs> yes, they just like us. <laughs> they just like to hear us talk. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> uh, oh, maybe this year will be the year we get sponsorship. Mm. Just a reminder: I'm only doing this because I want money. Just write me a big check. We don't care what it is. I don't even know what Raid Shadow Legends is, but I'll shill for it for cash. Uh, um, where were we? Oh yes, um, <laughs> Dodson is in fact Ash, the ship's science officer, played by Ian Holm. Hmm. Uh, I am going to give you a point for for medic and and android infiltrator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though I should take a point away for the spoilers. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, I was I actually had a question here, which is why do you think an interstellar freight tug has a science officer? But um, I guess his additional role as medic probably covers that quite well. Yeah. So. I, I guess when you're a space ship, you might encounter weird stuff. So maybe they keep someone on board to be a medic, but also who can understand any weird stuff that they encounter in space. Gee, I really wish that was my job. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is it? It's weird. Look at it. Tell us what it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. Um, that brings us to the end of the lightning round, uh, <laughs> which took 42 minutes. Mm. <laughs> if you, would you like to know your score? Not really, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me. How how well do you think you did? It was out of 21. How well did you think you did? Uh, I think I got about seven. Oh, well done. Exactly right. You got seven out of 21. A r- brief round of applause for you. Hmm. Very good, very good. Now, I, w- I will give you one bonus point if you can identify the one cast member. Uh, sorry, I'll rephrase that. The one member of the crew of the Nostromo who isn't in that picture. Oh, shit. Mm. Um... I'll tell you what, I'll give you 12 bonus points. Well, I don't think you mean that alien. Uh, <laughs> no, no, that's that's why I carefully phrased it because I didn't want you to sort of cautiously say 
the alien? <laughs> are, you, are you talking about the cat? Yes! Well done, well done. I don't know the name of the cat, but I uh, know there is a cat. Then I'm going to shave that, that 12 points down to six, mm. leaving you with a final score, a totally irrelevant score of 13 out of 21 plus whatever arbitrary number added on on the end there. Uh, the cat is named Jones. Mm. Um, he was played by four separate cats during the production. The cat survives, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I'm going to give you the extra point for remembering that. 21 points all around. <laughs> yes. Do you feel like you've achieved something? I feel like a winner today. <laughs> you've You've won tonight's cash prize, which is... I'm looking around for money. Um, this two euro coin that I just found on my desk. Wow. <laughs> well done to you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, well, it seems with all of this knowledge that I've just given you, you're now well equipped for us to start watching the film and start watching. We must. <laughs> Okay, so we're watching minutes zero to eight of Alien, and we've chosen the theatrical cut of the movie for two reasons. Um, one, I personally think it's the better version of the film, and it's my podcast, so there. And two, it's more widely seen than a director's cut. Um, however, we may discuss the differences between the two as they come up. Sounds good to me. How this works is that um, we've watched eight minutes of the movie. I have made a bulleted list summarizing, you know, 20 to 30 seconds of action on the screen. And I will read that bulleted list out and we will discuss them if we feel like we can discuss them. Or if not, I will just continue until the end of time. Sounds still good to me. Yeah. If you were going to say sounds good to me again, I was just going to copy and paste it in the recording and see if you noticed. Um <laughs> We truck slowly through a star field, left to right. Um, I put truck there because I've been told off for calling everything a pan, uh, which is literally only when the camera is rotating with its base in a fixed position. Left to right like this is a truck. Is it a truck? I thought I always thought it was a track. Uh, it's both depending. Mm. Is there a difference? Uh, <laughs> already these waters are above my head. Right. <laughs> um. Letters start to appear, slowly spelling out alien as the cast names appear. Mm, I've uh, never seen a title screen that does it quite like this. Um, I do like it. Um, at first, it doesn't even really look like it's a title reveal, but just some sort of pattern that's appearing. Yeah. It, it's quite symmetrical at the beginning. Um, and then it takes quite a while before you realize that it is actually revealing the title. Yeah, it's certainly unique, and, and I feel like I'm cheating a little bit here because um, this takes about four minutes uh, mm. from start to finish uh, yeah. to actually appear. So, so we've just summarized it because um, there wasn't really much point in breaking it out bar by bar. Um, yeah, well, it, it gives you something to look at, doesn't it? While all those boring names of people <laughs> you stop <who've> that <laughs> had a job to do uh, showing up. Um. The title sequence here was developed by famous graphic designers Steve Frankfurt and Richard Greenberg. Um, they were hired by Fox for the press work and the poster, uh, but Ridley Scott was so excited by their work that he got them involved in doing the title sequence um, because he thought that often when movies are released, the posters and the title sequences don't really tie together that well. Hmm. Um, he wanted the text to, be, to look something like a hieroglyphic to suggest that the alien could have come from a, an advanced society that is incomprehensible to us. Uh, I think it's, it does achieve that. It's um, like you say, it, it, they don't even look like letters for the longest possible time. Yeah. Typeset in the future, a great blog I read, which analyzes the fonts of movies set in the future, uh, says that the logo font here is Helvetica Black. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's slightly disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, you say that, uh, but there there was some controversy because um, originally they thought it was Futura, but uh, more detailed analysis has led to it being yeah, it's just Helvetica Black. Very well. There you go. If you want to, if you want to do your own alien font, you can. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> we fade into a giant spaceship slowly moving towards us. A description of the ship appears. The commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo. Crew, seven. Cargo, refinery processing 20 million tons of mineral ore. Course, returning to Earth. Mm. See, you didn't ask me the name of the ship, and I would have known that one. Oh, dang. (laughs) I didn't think... What's the name of the shuttle? Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Boaty McBoatface, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to give you an extra point. If you're tracking the points at home, stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I suppose we should talk about the Nostromo, but we can do that another time. Hmm. The ship slowly passes by overhead. Now, um, this is the first of three scale models of the Nostromo. Uh, it's 30 centimeters long. Mm. The surface details were mostly kitbashed from model kits of battleships, tanks, and World War II bombers. Okay. Whereas the refinery that you can see in the distance is largely made of Star Wars model kits. I was actually going to say that it's very reminiscent of a Star Wars uh, shot here, (laughs) where the uh, ship is slowly just moving past. These shots were filmed at Bray Studios near Maidenhead. Uh, Starship flybys are kind of trite to us now here in the distant CGI future, but this sort of thing must have been absolutely incredible to see back in the day. I sort of wish I could see it with naive eyes, if you know what I mean. Mm. We cut to the interior of the ship. The camera slowly moves through grimy, empty industrial corridors. And um, I I like this because it it, it sets this in the genre of uh, space film that I like most, which is where there's a lot of stuff that just kind of looks kind of cheap and shit and uh, like it's not super futuristic materials. Um, Yeah, lived in. Yeah, it's built for purpose, you know, and and it's not it's not fancy in any way. Mm. This set of shots highlights the fact that the Nostromo was largely built as one interconnected set. Uh, the set is mostly sealed, so you had to walk through it from one location to another. Mm. And the cast said it was more like working on a location than on a set, which uh, really helped build the sense of claustrophobia. Yeah, I think it's a really good decision, just so that you can do shots like this, but also, oh just, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it must help for that kind of thing. It must be easier to get into character if you, you know everything you can see around you is basically part of the set, rather mm. than you know just three walls and then cameras. Yeah, the Nostromo was built on a number of sound stages at Shepperton Studios, each one representing a single deck of the ship. Mm. It was designed by conceptual artist Ron Cobb. And Cobb and Scott wanted an industrial blue-collar aesthetic, so they used freighters, aircraft carriers, and refineries for inspiration. Uh, The film's art director, Roger Christian, used scrap metal and parts to create set pieces to save money, uh, a technique he learned while working on Star Wars. Hmm. Some of the Nostromo's corridors were created from portions of scrapped bomber aircraft, and mirrors were used to create the illusion of longer corridors in the lower decks. Well, that's clever. For the Nostromo, Ron Cobb famously designed his semiotic standard flags, a series of images above each door meant to represent what was through there in a way that space crews of the future would find easy to understand. Uh, They're very popular to put on sci-fi things even to this day. I totally didn't notice any of that detail. I mean, they're quite small, but like if you if you pay attention to the set, you see that they're everywhere, and like sections of the the sections of the ship are color coded, so you know what's going on in each one. And I, I. it shows a lot of real thought went into it. Like, yeah. um, that's sort of the the stuff you really would get in an environment like this. I think. Yeah, I'm gonna try and pay attention to those signs as I um uh, as I look through. I can I can send you the full list of them if you like. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> we move through a number of empty locations on the ship. Mm. I I like that at first. It's not clear why the ship is so empty. Uh, mm. I think that as the audience watching this for the first time, you wonder if 
something has already gone wrong, maybe, uh, in this place. If there's a reason, a sinister reason why it's so empty. Yeah, they're very suspenseful and, mm. and interesting shots. It's almost like we're looking for something, which, of course, you know, as the audience, we are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you, you've got a lot of mystery going on in the soundtrack as well. You've got these uh, flutes which are on some sort of delay uh, or echo effect on them and the um, the harmonies. They're, they're a lot like... Um, the, they recall Holst a lot and Holst is your go-to reference when you want to tell the audience that you're in space. <laughs> Planets in it. I know, even I know that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's done very well, and it's uh, it's, it's a good sound. Mm. Eventually, we reach the flight deck. A computer comes to life. Text and numbers flicker across the screen, reflected in the glass of an emergency helmet. So here on the computer, we see our first reference to Wayland Yutani, the famous company uh, from the Alien franchise, uh, as just Wayland Yutani without the D. Ron Cobb took the name of the British Leyland Motor Company and uh, Utani, the surname of his next door neighbor, uh, to create <laughs> a name that suggested a British Japanese conglomerate. Hmm. I was wondering what they were using for the computer here. Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, I don't actually know. Uh, yeah. I wonder if I can find out. That might be one worth uh, seeing if we can find out. That, that just occurred to me. I don't know what the computer is. Oh, ne- neither do I. Probably something. Wow, some sort of seventies workstation. I I genuinely don't know. I will have to look it up. Yeah, it. I really like old computers on spaceships. It, mm. it kind of saddens me that this aesthetic will never really exist in space <laughs> in the future because the computers will be too good to make it reasonable <laughs> in any way. Um. I I think I, I think I like about the alien role playing game, because of course there's an alien role playing game, um is they they obviously have to address the fact that the aesthetic is seventies retro future mm. rather than, you know, our modern everything is flat and shiny. <laughs> yeah. Everything is a black rectangle that's shiny. And um how they do it is by saying that these are we went through a phase where everything is like it is now but we went back to those things because they're more robust for space right okay and and the, the computers there like even though to us they they're comically outdated um they're orders of magnitude more powerful than <laughs> <laughs> than the ones we have today i i really like that they did address it i'll have to see if i can dig out specifically what they say because it's quite interesting yeah, I mean, to me, it doesn't matter so much. Like, I am able to suspend my disbelief um, to just accept that th- this is the distant spacefaring future, but for some reason, the computers are shit. I mean, it's an interesting point because to us, spaceflight has always been dated. I mean, like, like the shuttles, you know, they yeah. use CRTs and like flip switches and everything yeah, because. Yeah they're designed to have like a 30 year operational lifespan and they don't want to update them mid flight. Yeah. I've I've seen like the, um, I'm not sure what it was, the SpaceX ship that launched recently, which was crewed uh, for the first time. And um, it's just got loads of touchscreens and it doesn't look real. It looks like a cheap sci-fi prop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't want to be in the middle of launch and uh, you know, windows 10 wants to do an update. (laughs) See, I, I thought touchscreens on um, on an actual flying vessel were a terrible idea, right? Because have you ever been in a car and you're trying to type something on your phone, <laughs> and you know every little pothole you hit or whatever, you're just typing gibberish, and you're like, "Oh, I'll I'll just wait until that's not happening." Like mm-hmm. they're on a shuttle <laughs> <laughs> going into space. I can't imagine how anyone thought it was a good idea. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, back to Alien, I guess. Um, Ridley Scott had the idea for this scene with text reflecting off the helmets uh, when he saw the set coming together, so it was added fairly late in the production. 
Um, personally, I've never quite understood the logistics of the emergency helmets. It seems to have a big red button strapped right in the middle with the bit you'd want to see out of. So, I don't know, do you hit the button and it breaks away? I, I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I always kind of have tuned out by this point and I like just enjoying the aesthetics of the whole thing. And I, <laughs> I've never really thought about it. I, I, I mean, the thoughts running through my head during this part were, ah, this is just lots of cool computery nonsense <laughs> <laughs> noises and lights <laughs> yeah <laughs> aren't you glad you're paying to listen to this podcast yeah uh, <laughs> I, i'm glad that you're here to um enjoy my insights into <laughs> the lovely flashing lights a detailed detailed analysis <laughs> yeah. i do i seeing as we're at this level i do like that one of them sounds a bit like a fart <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> We move into a room full of capsules, each containing a sleeping human. They clamshell open. So the crew are in hypersleep here, um, suspension, which allows them to travel long distances. Obviously, they have faster drives than we do now, because we later learn that the journey from Thedas to Earth takes at least a year. So it makes sense to keep the crew in suspended animation as much as possible. Hmm. I've... I feel like this is, as well as that bit that I was talking about at the beginning with the empty ship and not being entirely clear on why the ship is so empty, I think that during this opening, the film is doing a lot of misdirection. Uh, Mm. And specifically, I think here, perhaps it's misdirecting who actually the main character in this film is supposed to be. Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm. So, um, slowly, the mostly naked people start to stir and climb out of the capsules. So here you see, as you were definitely saying, Kane is the first, uh, and he sits up and he sits there in silence, and the camera gets a lot of shots of him uh, before yeah. anything else happens, like he starts breathing, it's like him from front on, him on from the right. Um, so yeah, it, 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 he gets an awful lot of attention here, and like you say, it's sort of like misdirecting. You think, ah, this is our hero, but really, it's for a darker purpose. Right? Yeah, it's it's in, it's really interesting. Like I think that you know, if I'd been thinking about how to write this scene, I probably would have just switched between various of the characters and shown mm. them waking up or something. But it's it's really interesting, and I, I, I like the choice of just deciding to focus on this one particular character. Yeah, it's, it's all on Kane, and then uh, as he starts to stand and leave, the others start staring out of their capsules, and we cut away. So obviously, we've given him priority over everyone else, which is strange considering the scenes immediately following this. But we'll get to those. Mm. Um, fun fact Ridley Scott wanted them all to be naked there to bring a sense of rawness and vulnerability to the scene uh, but Fox overruled him because they didn't really want a shot of uh, John Hurt's penis for 40 or 50 seconds being the thing that people most remembered about the start of Alien Mm. I I think that's fair I think that's (laughs) that's one case where I, I think they were probably fine to intervene at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They did record a version where the uh, female crew are topless, but that wasn't the one they went with in the end. How much time do you think we would have spent on John Hurt's penis had it been? um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know how you ask me questions and I get back to you about them in the next episode. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) We dissolve to the crew eating breakfast around a table. Um, and I, I like this too, because um, it. I guess what we're establishing here is that actually, even though everything up until now has seemed sort of mysterious and has been painted in a sort of mysterious way, this is actually routine for them. Mm. Yeah, um, it, it, I think it's clear that if they're all not friends, then they're at least, you know, close co-workers. Yeah. And the scene is sort of supposed to portray that they're like a family, really. I mean, they're having mm-hmm. their, you know, their breakfast together. And and, um, you, see, and you see um, 
them into like particular pairs of people interacting with each other and it's kind of you, you get the sense that there are relationships here like some of them are closer to each other than they are to other people and yeah exactly and so on. exactly who's talking to who is establishing um interconnections between the crew and it's it's done really well i mean like in mm. a minute of footage you get a sort of sense of who's who the muffled dialogue mix here is a deliberate choice so that you know the specifics of what they're talking about isn't really important it's just yeah. they're all talking at once to each other um did you notice that dallas is hitting uh, hitting a beer for breakfast uh, I didn't actually notice that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, the ship's captain, 30 seconds out of hibernation, chugging a beer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, standards in the future are different to, <laughs> to the ones we have. Now. Yeah, it's not a no-smoking ship either. No, that's nope. true. Uh, in the future, cigarettes cure cancer. I... <laughs> Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Oh god. Um and they have a cat. Jones is there having breakfast with them as well. Everybody's here, the whole family. Um Parker and Brett begin to argue about the bonuses they're being paid. Mm. Uh so I guess we're getting more information about the the power dynamic on the uh, on the ship here exactly yeah this is setting up the difference between the blue collar and the white collar workers of the ship so you've got yeah. dallas ripley kane lambert and ash who are all doing higher tier things related to the general management of the ship mm. and brett and parker who keep the whole thing running but working down in its guts doing the you know the the real dirty work yeah and this conversation you sort of you don't really get a gist for whether it's um a real grievance he's having, or if it's like part of a longer running conversation uh, that they're perpetually having about whether <laughs> whether they need to be paid more or not. Yeah, and the way that they're smiling makes me think that it, it's more the latter, that this is just something mm. that they do and don't expect to get any resolution to necessarily. No. Um, uh, it's also interesting, like continuing the misdirection, that Ripley basically does nothing in this scene at all. Mm, um, she sits and eats. She just sits there and doesn't get involved in any of the the banter that's going on at all. Mm. Yeah, you, uh, you you can't predict who's going to become the main character from any of these scenes. Mm -hmm. If anything, it seems to switch to Dallas from the next few. I think so. Yeah, I was going to say that. Like he sort of, and I I think that he just also has the look of a kind of 19, late 1970s, early 1980s kind of era film protagonist. Yeah. He's very, he's very that type. He's the hero captain. Yeah. Nobody would have been surprised if he had ended up being the main character. Mm. <laughs> An alarm goes off. Mother wants to talk to Dallas. It's his eyes only. Who, uh, and I guess we don't really know what or who that is. No. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point that I, I didn't make any notes on that. But yeah, uh, uh, Mother to talk to you is uh, slightly sinister in this context, but fine. We, we're not going to be waiting long to find out. I mean, well, you are because it's, you know, in the next section of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas walks off with his coffee into a different room. That's that's great. It's it's also an odd shot as well because it starts off in the middle of the room looking up and he kind of wanders into a door on the side of it. Yeah, but also we've again and we've talked about this before, these 8 minute chunks seem to be just about enough time for a major thing to happen in the film. And it always kind of seems to end at a nice kind of finishing off point for our discussion. Yes, like, something happens. Something happens, and uh, something is set up. Is usually how it works. It's, it's working out quite well. I mean, yeah. mostly during the thing, it's worked out for us. Um, occasionally, less so, like where someone turns towards the camera before a big scream. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's a good idea, and I'm glad. I think it's a good idea because it was mine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, that 
is it for that first eight minutes of Alien. Um, so I have a number of questions, which, as tradition dictates, are handed down from generation to generation. Yeah. Uh, now I'm. I must ask you, um, who's infected? Uh, <laughs> um, wait. <laughs> I, see, this this is an interesting question. I, I feel like it's not invalid for this movie. <laughs> But it's it's certainly more obvious than it was in the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be a really easy one for this one. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, for now, let's say nobody is infected. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, unless you count being infected by being a robot, in which case <laughs> one person is infected. Spoilers! You can't talk about that. Um, and of course, what happens next, Pete? Um, I think that Dallas is going to have a conversation with the computer AI kind of thing that is called Mother, um, and find out that they are not where they expected to be. Oh, oh, that's exciting. And I'm reasonably confident in that one. Yeah, I, I, I can't reveal anything, but oh, maybe you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, f- I feel like I need to recut this movie slightly to gaslight you. Um, <laughs> just move some of the little scenes around. So <laughs> I don't remember, remember the there being this seven aliens in this film. Like. <laughs> oh God, um, Alien Isolation, which is a great game, which we, I, I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Um, someone made a mod for it which replaces all of the NPCs in the levels with an alien because obviously in Alien Isolation there's only one alien but this means that on some of the levels they're up to 30 uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like they just gang rush you, it's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, the final question is of course what are you thinking of the film so far um, insofar as we've watched you know, a brief mm. chunk of it. Uh, yeah, but uh, nevertheless, uh, even though this is not personally one of my all-time favourite films uh, or whatever, I would say that the more I have watched the beginning of this film, um, I do really rate this opening a lot. I, I think it's just a great opening to... Uh, it, it's probably top 10 openings of any film for me. I really like it. Mm. I really like what it sets up and how it sets it up. I think it's just extremely well done. Obviously, as this film is one of my absolute favourites, yeah, I I definitely agree. I mean, I I love the intro to Alien. I I know we we generally say this a lot during this podcast, but um, uh, when when I put this movie on, usually I don't pay attention through this till probably halfway through the next section because mm. i've seen it all a million times but like just taking the time to rewatch these things in detail is really interesting to me i um there's so much detail in the nostromo set especially when they're panning around at the start i said panning i'm getting in trouble again mm-hmm. um it's just oh i love it you could tell that, that a lot of it was a real labor of love yeah it's um it's really nice to see a set that's just so packed with details and is constructed in a way that, as we talked about before, with with such care and attention. Mm. Um. Well, okay. Uh, I guess that's it for this, the first episode. Um, what do we normally do here? We say where we can be found upon the internet, right? We do. Yeah, okay. So so first of all, there's the Twitter account for the podcast, which is eight minute movies. Um and then there's our individual Twitters. I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what mine is, which is a little concerning because it's just my name, Kieran J. Walsh. So there you go, that's my Twitter handle. You can go and look at that. See that I don't really post to Twitter that often. And um then you can go and look at Peter's. And you can see that I post to Twitter more often at Kestrel Pie. That is Kestrel like the bird and Pie like the irrational number. Mm-mm, delicious. 
No numerical. Uh, sorry, I, I meant Kestrels. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> you know I subsist entirely off the eggs of rare birds. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get letters. Oh, yeah, letters. Um, if you want to write to us, you can. It's podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk. And if you write to us, we will read them out. We will not do that. Um <laughs> <laughs> We will we will read your debased, profane <laughs> emails and then burn them. Yeah, so uh, depending on how our recording schedule goes, I guess it might be a couple of podcasts in before we see your Maybe. words. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll um, we'll certainly read anything that you send our way. Um. Okay. Well, then it just behooves me why am i saying behooves honestly this is not a word i ever use but the instant you put me in front of a podcast microphone and i want to behoove all over yeah, the place hooves everywhere like a like a like octopus a... yeah an octocorn um i need to go and lie down horns <laughs> oh god um oh yeah it would wouldn't it yeah. like what what's the name for an octopus What's the name for a, the hybrid of an octopus and a unicorn? Um, U- Unipus doesn't sound right to me. No. <laughs> but octocorn is wrong. Um, do you know what? I, I think that's an entirely different podcast uh, and that we should stop talking and, <laughs> and yeah. wrap this up. If you want more conversations like this, we'll just... Uh... Just wait a few episodes. We usually relax into it. Yeah, usually yeah. disintegrate into yeah. madness quite quickly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. That isn't the, we did like the two Ronnies thing, but badly. But badly, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we're, uh, well, bye then. <laughs> <laughs> We've mastered intros. We just need to get outros right. Two Ronnies, we ain't.